0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Back and better than ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Shell Oil Performance Line. It's a football Friday and it's going to be fabulous. Got a lot to do. Weather's a little nicer outside, feeling good about that. Legler will join me here in a few minutes. Some big basketball doings, free agency starts tonight, but there's one very big name out there on the move. We'll get to that, plus we'll get the latest on the situation with Klay Thompson from him. Ryan Clark today, Diana Rossini today, David Pollack today, tons of football, covering it all for you, college and pro from every possible direction. And we start with what I think could be described as the stunning news, (laughs) except I wasn't stunned because I had not one but two different people tell me in almost definitive language that it was going to happen. If you were watching Get Up yesterday, you heard Adam Schefter. If you were watching Get Up this morning, you heard Diana Rossini. And both of them were essentially trying to tell us Taysom Hill is going to start this weekend for New Orleans, not Jameis Winston. And we just wouldn't listen. We wouldn't listen because we didn't want to believe it. And I still don't. And there are any number of reasons why this concerns me. The first and foremost is that I put Jameis Winston on my fantasy team exclusively because I thought that he would get me, he would steal me this weekend. So much for the idea of benching Aaron Rodgers. Taysom Hill is going to be the starting quarterback for the Saints against the Falcons on Sunday. And to me, there are two major storylines here. This comes in the midst of a tightly contested race in the NFC where only one team is going to get the bye and only one team is going to get that home field through that division. Again, one team will win the NFC South. It'll either be the Saints or the Bucs. The Saints have the season sweep from Tampa. But they also have to keep an eye on what Seattle did last night and what Green Bay does every single week because there's only one seed, only the one seed gets the buy this year. So there's only one of those spots available to be had. So the Saints cannot afford to give away any games. So the fact that they are going to Taysom Hill this weekend instead of Jameis Winston says two things. One, they weren't kidding all this time when they told us that they believe in Taysom Hill. I completely didn't buy it. I've never bought it. Frankly, I'm still having trouble buying it and having trouble believing it. It's why I didn't really pay attention to Shefty, who but the second this thing got announced, the second he broke it this morning, he texted me immediately and said, I told you so. And then I didn't want to listen to Diana this morning when she was practically coming out and saying this was going to be the case as well. I just don't believe it because I'll have to see this 30-year-old who has never thrown a touchdown in his career take over the starting role for a, a Super Bowl-caliber team instead of a quarterback who was the number one pick in the draft, who won the Heisman, who won a national championship in college, and who threw for 5,000 yards last year. Yes, he turns the ball over like crazy. But what today can only be described as, can only be interpreted as, is every bit as much as it is a sign of their confidence in Taysom Hill, it is absolutely a devastating blow to Jameis Winston. I don't see any other way to look at it. Jameis Winston went to New Orleans in part because this was the perfect place to resurrect his career. Teddy Bridgewater got the ball five times last year when Breeze got hurt. And Teddy Bridgewater is the starting quarterback in Carolina right now. Those two things are not a coincidence. Those two things are a cause and effect. Jameis Winston is in New Orleans so he could prove to the world he could learn behind Drew and he could learn from Sean Payton. And when he got his chance, he could prove to the world that he, can't, he can be someone other than the guy who turned the ball over 42 times last year. And to me, this decision this week is Sean Payton saying at least a little bit, I don't see it. I don't have faith in Jameis Winston not to give the game away. I always said of Jameis, when he's the starting quarterback, the game starts at 14-0. He's going to throw two touchdowns to his team, and he's going to throw two touchdowns to the other team. And then let's see where we wind up. But it starts out 14-14. And I think this is Sean Payton's way of saying, I'm not interested in playing that way. I'm interested in starting zip-zip, taking my chances with Taysom Hill, who at least isn't going to give the ball to the other guys. So I think that this is a devastating blow for Jameis Winston. It says a lot, because no one understands quarterback play better than Sean Payton. No one understands what he's seeing in practice, that we don't have... The ability to see, no one understands that better than he does. So to me, this is a very big story. It is a fascinating, it will be a fascinating game. This suddenly goes to being maybe the most interesting to watch game of the weekend to see what the Saints are in Taysom Hill. How much does Jameis Winston actually get to play? If you're following the tweets, Shefty says, there were no packages in this game for Jameis. This is Taysom Hill's game. He's the quarterback, period, end of paragraph if that's the case, what does it look like? I'm looking forward to watching it. I have no idea what to expect. And then what does it say about Jameis? What does it say about Jameis, Winston, Jameis Winston's chance of rehabilitating his career, of making himself into a star? I thought he was going there, and I thought he would get the torch from Drew Brees. And I guess he still might. But this feels like a very, very bad start. So we have that story. We also have the news out of Cleveland. No Miles Garrett. He's on the COVID list. He will not play against the Eagles this weekend in a very interesting game between two struggling quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, whose team has a lot of questions, but they have more answers than Carson Wentz's team does. But at least Wentz won't have to go up against the best defensive player on the Browns and one of the three or four best defensive players in the league in Miles Garrett. So advantage Philly there, even though I still like the Browns in the game. All right, Greeny with you. And now it's time for some straight talk. (laughs) Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless as we turn our attention to last night's game. And I thought Ryan Clark did an outstanding job of explaining what we saw from Russell Wilson last night. Russell Wilson wasn't MVP Russ last night. He was Super Bowl Russ. And if the Seahawks play like that, they absolutely have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. They have a much better chance than the Green Bay Packers. Let me say that again, and let me verbally underline it for you. The Seattle Seahawks, can go to the Super Bowl this year. The Green Bay Packers cannot. Tampa, New Orleans, Seattle. That may be the end of it in the NFC. Oh, the Rams. Those are the teams in the NFC. Because Russell Wilson, if he plays like that, if he isn't playing hero ball, if he doesn't feel like he has to score every time he touches the football, because all his runners are hurt and his defense stinks, if they're going to run for 165 or any facsimile of it like they did last night, and their defense is going to show up and make a few plays, as they did last night. Getting healthy, getting better. Carlos Dunlap, big sack at the end of the game. If they're going to do that, then MVP Russ can be Super Bowl Russ. And actually, if you look at the four, next four games the Seahawks play, he can be both. Because he can play the way he did last night, and that team should run it to 11-3. and three. Their next four games are Eagles, Giants, Jets, Washington football team. They will be a, a touchdown or more favorite in all four of them. The next time we look up Seattle will be 11 and 3. Ryan Clark says that means Super Bowl Russ might be MVP Russ again.
2: I think it's going to start again now, not only because of this game, but because of the rest of the schedule. You know, MVP is about winning, right? It's become the best quarterback on the best team award. And if that record stays high and if he can stop turning the ball over with some of those numbers that he got early, we'll start talking about Russell Wilson in the way we were speaking about him at the beginning of the season. I think that's right.
1: Again, he had turned the ball over three times in three of their last four games, and they had lost those three. Those are their three losses. And so now here they come. Big win last night against Arizona on a Thursday night. Defense makes some plays. They run the ball a little bit. Wilson doesn't have to carry the whole thing. But you know he can. You know he can make the plays when they need to be made. And again, the next four weeks, they should run away and hide. So if New Orleans should drop one here, the Buccaneers are playing a very losable game. See what happens. Don't discount the possibility that Seattle gets the one seed. Their schedule is everything. They stay healthy. They get those running backs back. They still didn't have Chris Carson last night, but Carlos Hyde ran it for them. That's a great team. It's a, let me say that again. They have a chance to be a great team. They have a chance to be one of the teams we look at when we get to the finish and we say, okay, there were three or four teams that were buying in the NFC. The Seahawks are going to be one of them. And they, have the, they will have the best quarterback, inclusive of everyone. Right now, Russell Wilson is better than Tom Brady. Right now, Russell Wilson is better than Drew Brees. Right now, Russell Wilson is much better than Jared Goff. I can hear you yelling at me. I know he's not better than Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a chance. We're going to talk about this a little bit later. But everything that the the Green Bay Packers have done, the Packers are who we thought they were. To quote the great Denny Green, the Packers are who we thought they were. And they let the rest of the league off the hook. So we'll talk about that more as we go here that's our straight talk brought to you by straight talk wireless no contract no compromise busy again it's a football friday and we will be mostly on the football today but we've got some very big basketball stuff to get to so let me get legler in here as he's ready to go
3: clay thompson has suffered a full tear of his right achilles he was already coming back from a catastrophic injury it is devastating you know an achilles everyone hurts here
1: Timmy Legler joins me on the Shell Pinswell Performance Line. And before we get to the free agency and the one big shoe that remains to be dropped here, Legs, I, I know you and I have talked in the past about when you had that injury. You had a knee injury and 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 the frustration that you felt coming back for it. You've told me that story on and off the air about having to wear those knee braces and all of that kind of thing. So, you know, the reason I'm setting this up this way is that you know the frustration of coming back from injury I try and imagine just sort of psychologically where Clay Thompson is to have spent a year and change doing that and now to have this happen to him. I feel terrible for him.
4: Uh, I mean, terrible doesn't even touch it for me. I'm sick to my stomach, literally, was felt sick to my stomach when I got that news um, because I, you know, I, I did go through that. And I think about him tearing his ACL. And, and you know, when you first get the diagnosis that you've torn your ACL. You're trying to wrap your head around what the next year of your life is going to look like. And that's what Clay, you know, did at the time. And then he went and, went and lived that life where you're basically, your entire focus is on physical rehabilitation. And for a year. And you work harder at that than you've ever worked at being a basketball player at your, at your rehabilitation to get back to what you were. He did all that. He got back by all accounts. He was looking great. And so I'm thinking about him mentally getting – feeling that, first of all. And you know it as an athlete before anybody has to diagnose anything. You know when you're laying there on the ground what just happened. And then you get the official you know word. Uh, the Mentally, how in the world does that guy get through this next period of time here over the next few weeks when he's thinking about, well, the ACL is not even as severe as the Achilles. The Achilles is even worse than the ACL. And I've got to now go do this again for another year-plus of my life. And it has nothing to do with playing basketball. It's just getting back physically. Um, So I feel just absolutely sick to my stomach that he's going to have to go through this now and reset his mind to attack this challenge once again. And I call it the Bermuda Triangle of of injuries, Greeny, for a basketball player. He's had two of the three. The third one would be the patella tendon, which is a little bit more rare but equally severe in terms of, of what it means coming back from it and your long-term prognosis as an athlete. So he's had two of the three. I um, feel horrible for him, for the organization. It's bad for the league because I think everybody missed watching that team and watching that style, and we felt like we were going to have a contender now thrown into the mix That's you that know, has the, probably the most fun style to watch in the entire league. So it's also a hit for the NBA.
1: No question about it. And so the question then does become, however, What are they? So they're going to get Kelly Oubre. They drafted the kid James Wiseman the other night, who people love. They've got Steph. They've got Draymond. They've got Andrew Wiggins. They have a lot of, they got a lot of names, you know. I'm not exactly sure how those pieces all fit together. That's Steve Kerr's job. What are the Golden State Warriors this year?
4: Uh, For me, they're a playoff team. I I think you could take contender out of it without Clay. Um, You know, I still look at the starting lineup. If you go with Curry, Wiggins, Oubre, Draymond Green, and James Wiseman, uh, their bench isn't great. Um, But I think that starting five – is still to me going to be good enough to be a playoff team in the West? You know, can they win a series? And you know, a lot of that would depend on, on on you know what the matchup was going to be and where they were seeded and those kinds of things down the road. But I'm not going to think that they can't make it, particularly when Houston and Oklahoma City are you know, potentially, uh, depending on what Houston does Westbrook and Harden, th- those two teams are taken out of the mix now. Okay, so now you've got. And I know Phoenix will be better. New Orleans will be better. But you're the Golden State Warriors, and you've got Steph Curry. I have so much faith in his greatness and how he influences the play of the guys on the court with him and how much easier he makes the game because of his presence. This this will be, I think, a way we'll view Andrew Wiggins. We never did before. He's going to be so much smarter, more efficient. He's going to be playing in, in games that matter that win, we're gonna view him differently. Um, Ubre is a guy that can definitely score. He's great as a sixth man. If he has to start, you know that's you know, you can get sixteen, eighteen at him at the three. Wiseman, any other draft most years, Greedy, this is no question the number one pick in the draft. The fact that we're not really a big man league anymore is the only reason he fell even fell to two, because of all the things he can do. This is more than just an athlete. This guy protects the rim, but he also you can throw it into the post to him. He can make a mid range jump shot. He's got great hands on a pick-and-roll and, and pick-and-dive situation. With Draymond Green back there helping him improve defensively and learn the NBA game, um, it's it just I think the smarts of that organization I be, believe in. And I also believe in the greatness of Steph Curry and their style. And I think the Golden State Warriors will be a playoff team, but I don't think you can realistically think they can contend without Clay.
1: Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Timmy Legs with me on the Shell Pens on Performance line. Uh, we are like a little less than six hours away from the free agency period beginning in the NBA, and the biggest name will be Gordon Hayward. I will admit to being a little surprised that he opted out of his deal in Boston only because he had thirty-four million dollars for a year sitting on it, and with the uncertain finances of basketball coming up, I, I don't I just I just thought he would he would bank that money. But that said, he's now a free agent. So, give me a place or two that you think Gordon Hayward goes where all of a sudden we have ourselves a real contender.
4: Well, first of all, I stood in front of a mirror. And I practiced trying to make myself mouth the words, I opt out of $34 million. And I couldn't physically do it. It was the strangest thing. My body wouldn't cooperate, Greeny. I just couldn't get myself to say it. Uh, so that shocked me as well. I mean, look at the time he's missed, and, you know, he's not lived up to that contract in Boston. I'm thinking he's never going to see $34 million in a given year again. So why not just play it out, hit free agency next summer? I think part of it is I think he thinks next, next summer's free agent class is better, so maybe there won't be as much money. Um, my question for Gordon Hayward is what, you know, what do you want to be? Are you, you know, do you want to be a guy that's part of a team that could potentially win it now, but maybe a lesser role like in Boston because he's the fourth fiddle there? Maybe that's not what he wants to be. Um, or do you want to go try to find a place like, for me, great fits for him? Believe it or not, one would be, ironically, back where he started, Utah. Denver would be a great fit for him to give them a third really good offensive option to play alongside Murray and Jokic, and they've got some guys there that can play defense on the perimeter, so he'd be more of a guy that can shoot it, score it, space it, pass it. Um, That looks like a great fit. Uh, so I think the question is more like how does he view himself because I don't think he, anymore Gordon Hayward can be like your number two guy or something like that on a championship team. I, th- I think he's a guy now that's never going to get back to the level he was at at his best in Utah. So you've got to go somewhere if you're thinking about winning it, they're already going to have two or three really good players, and you're going to be back in the same pecking order you were in Boston. So I'm not sure what the strategy is here. It could be a sign-and-trade, and and that's what a lot of people are talking about. That's why you opted out sign a new deal with Boston with the intent on being moved to one of the teams that we're not talking about right now because they've got no cap space, but they could make room for him in a trade. That's possible. Milwaukee would be actually a great fit for him if that were the case. But um, it remains to be seen exactly what he wants and what he's looking for.
1: Well, what would, I'm just trying to think, if you put him in Milwaukee, we're all trying to figure out a way to keep Giannis in Milwaukee. They make the deal for Drew Holiday, which I think it was in your notes I saw this morning, you think is a great fit, right? So you like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. So so, so the Bucs, that's good. But if you put Hayward there, I don't know what they would have to trade Boston to make that work for them. I, I You know, the sign and trade piece of this, this is also unusual. But yes, if you put him and Drew Holiday and Giannis on the same team, now all of a sudden they're the best team in the Eastern Conference.
4: Yeah, and I think, you know, right now, I think the entire league, Greeny, and myself included, like we're we're waiting to see how has the value of Gordon Hayward been recalibrated based on what we just watched for the last couple of years. You know, misses the first year in Boston because of that horrific ankle injury. But even after that, he had a series of little things, like nagging little things that would keep him out for stretches of time where he never found a rhythm. And like I said, he was the fourth option in Boston – and it turned out not to be good enough to even get past a Miami team that doesn't really have a lot of stars. So I just don't know how the league views him. And so for me, I'm t- saying take the $34 million this year, play it out, hit free agency next summer, and understanding you're going into that at a greatly reduced number, but you could almost hand-pick a team then to go for a mid-level exception or something like that where you got a really good chance of playing in the finals or winning a championship. So I'm not sure what the strategy is here. And to be honest with you, him opting out shocked everybody I've talked to. So there's something that he and his agent – are thinking about, or maybe he's going to resign with Boston and stay with a longer term. view. I don't know what the plan is. And that's what I think we're all waiting to see.
1: They know something that we don't know. Have a great weekend, Legs. Thank you. Yeah, Greeny, you got it. Simi Legler with me here, and I invite you to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is heating up, so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. I like the way the legs, uh, legs put that. I'm going to look right in the camera. Let's see if I can do it. Someone has just offered you $34.2 million, and you have to look at them and say, thanks, but no thanks. Thank you. No, you keep the $34.2 million and I'll go see how things work out for me someplace else. It would be a nice thing, be a nice thing to, f- to know how it feels to be able to do that. It, at some point it all becomes so ludicrous that all you can do is smile. I, so I, I was surprised. I'm glad to hear he said that I wasn't the only one and let's see where he winds up again. He didn't do this because he has no place to go. Clearly, he and his agent have something in mind. Maybe we find out tonight, a little after six. All right, coming up, it is by far the most important game of the weekend to me.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
5: H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y.
1: Greeny with you at half past the hour here. We are on ESPN Radio. We stream with you every day on ESPN Plus. Tons of football today, obviously, on this Football Friday with a big weekend ahead. And it's my pleasure to bring in now one of our our absolute best, David Pollock, our college football analyst extraordinaire, is on the Shell Pinsel Performance Line, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gas. Hello, David Pollock.
3: What up, my man, Green? How you
1: doing? Well, we got really good um, college games to get to in a second, but I want to get your opinion because you've been terrific on the NFL stuff with us in the mornings. Taysom Hill is a surprise starter this weekend for New Orleans over Jameis Winston, and Diana Russini is reporting that it's not even going to be something where they share it. This is going to be Taysom Hill's game, and if he doesn't get hurt, we won't even see Jameis. So I guess two questions. One, what does that tell us about Jameis? What, what does that tell us about what they're seeing from him uh, in practice and wherever else
3: it is, maybe maybe in the end it says more about Taysom Hill and maybe he's developed. You know, I, I don't know that because what we've seen of Taysom Hill is very clear. When Sean Payton puts him in the game, it's to run the football. I mean, there's trick plays. And last year, you remember in the playoffs, he went deep and he's got he's got some skill sets. And that, listen, we watched him at BYU. He's a big, strong, physical dude. I am absolutely amazed, and I can't wait to see what Sean Payton does. With Taysom Hill, but I do think with Jameis Winston, it tells you maybe he's not ready. And, and the one thing you worry about with Jameis Winston, you don't worry about throwing deep, you don't worry about you know making plays. You worry about where they live. This New Orleans Saints offense is always a stay on schedule, stay on script, right? And you know work the middle of the field, make the easy plays. And Jameis Winston, maybe that's not it's not where he's been comfortable throughout his career. So Taysom Hill, Sean Payton, one of the most brilliant minds in the NFL. I can't wait to see how many quarterback runs we get, how many shifts and formations and screens and maybe some zone reads with Kamara, just all kinds of stuff that that, uh, you've seen from Andy Reid and company at the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, it should be fun to watch. Of course, the biggest difference is Andy Reid and company with the Chiefs also have Patrick Mahomes who throws the ball about as well as any person that ever lived and Taysom Hill, to be kind, does not. So I guess that was going to be my second question. All the stuff you just talked about, which feels like, I mean, it's a gimmick offense we expect, can that win? Can you win in the National Football League doing that?
3: No, you you can't win consistently. Um but but Taysom Hill who's to say granny that he hasn't improved as a passer and can make more of those throws? You know, he's had years and years and years now with Sean Payton and they signed him in the offseason and everybody talked about him and they're like, "Listen, he's not really a quarterback. He's kind of that utility piece you can do anything with, but he's with the quarterbacks every day and he's learning and um so maybe Sean Payton believes and maybe they've seen him practice more than we've seen, but Here's the thing. You know, he's going to run the football. You know, that's part of his package. So that puts the fear of God in defenses regardless. They're going to have to get ready for that. So the play action pass off of all that stuff can be really, really fun. So you've seen, you know, Kyler Murray make big time plays in Lamar. And maybe you start seeing some of that offense um, because of Taysom Hill's ability. But yeah, if he can't throw and he's not a threat, those gimmicks won't work anymore. He's got to be able to complete passes or we'll see Jameis Winston play.
1: All right, Greeny and David Pollock. Let's go through some of the big college games, two of them in the Big Ten. Ohio State-Indiana. This is amazing. Indiana is the number nine-ranked team in the country, and Ohio State is a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, so take from that what you will. Do you give Indiana any chance to win this game tomorrow?
3: I do. I I give him a chance because if you're going to play Ohio State, you got to be able to score. And because Justin Fields and company, you're not stopping them. Whether you're the best defense in the country or a middle of the pack, I mean, you're just. It's not going to happen. They're going to get thirty. What you've seen from Michael Penix Jr. He's really fun to watch, man. He's a lefty. He gets the ball, and if you watch him. He gets it out of his hands as quick as anybody in the country, you know, sidearm it and throw from multiple platforms and they can run the ball. So I think they have enough balance on offense where they can cause some problems for Ohio State. If they can force a few turnovers and steal a few possessions, then maybe you think they keep it close. But I think this is more about Ohio State and what everybody feels about them. Ohio State's just they're a dominant team offensively. And Indiana's defense is fun to watch, by the way. They create turnovers. They do. They do fun stuff from a blitz standpoint, and they'll bring people from all over the place and try to confuse you. Can they create a few of those turnovers? But no, I'm just like you. I don't expect Indiana to win the football game, um, but I do want to see if Ohio State. I'm, I'm. I've had Ohio State at three so far this season. I'll be ready to move them up higher possibly the more we go out and throughout the season. If I see their defense continue to play great or stop offenses consistently because I do legitimately have concerns about their defense still up at this point.
1: All right. So that one, the winner of this one, takes control in the Big Ten East. And then in the Big Ten West, the winner of Wisconsin at Northwestern will take control of that uh, side of the conference. And, and you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I woke up – I just want to tell you this, David. This, this, I'm a 53-year-old man, Right. With, with a busy, active career and a family and everything else. And Sunday night, a full six days before this game was to be played, I woke up in the middle of the night and could not fall back asleep because I'm so nervous about it. How do you see Wisconsin at Northwestern Saturday?
3: That's awesome, by the way. That you're, you're that excited. I'm so nervous. Um, yeah, I can't.
1: Even, I'm not excited. I'm nervous. These games are agony for me. I don't enjoy this. People talk about. Fun. I don't have fun. <laughs> and when it's over and they've won, I have fun. While it's on, it is just excru- it is excruciating agony.
3: Well, the good thing about this is it gets you some perspective on what it feels like with all these fans, because this is how these fans feel consistently all the time. They're they're going nuts. They're going bananas. They're going crazy. They live on live and die on every single play. So it's kind of cool you get that perspective. But Peyton, Peyton for me at the quarterback spot, like you have to be so happy to have Peyton Ramsey. Like it's just, it's a different dimension now for Northwestern. He's just, he can buy time with his feet and scramble around and make plays. And he's just – he does an unbelievable job of, of converting. You know, he, he ran some RPOs last week against mm-hmm. Purdue near the goal line, which was beautiful, and ran it. But I think more importantly, it's the the passing game and then the scrambling – to get like third and 12 on the first drive last week. He buys time and rolls to his left and then dips inside and then spits the ball in the perimeter and gives him another first down. This is not an offense that's going to make big plays down the field consistently. So you need a guy that has – creativity and feet and can do that stuff and give you another first downs because you don't create a ton of explosive plays so i'm excited to watch it too northwestern's defense is fun by the way y'all always play wisconsin great anyway Mm -hmm. and now i think you have an offense and and an offensive identity now with peyton ramsey at the quarterback spot that makes you guys unique and makes you guys different so i look forward to watching this game it'll be fun
1: me too and and you made exactly the right point. All of you guys, you at Georgia and all the all of you who went to Alabama and Ohio State and Oklahoma, how do you do this? Like, how do you live <laughs> like this? I don't. I, I can't live like this. I mean, this it means too much to me. It is disproportionately important in my life. And, and David, I, I just, I can't live like this.
3: I was watching the Georgia-Florida game at my house and we had a bunch, a ton of people over and there's kids running all over the place. And you got grown men yelling at the TV, which I always laugh at. And grown man switching seats like that matters. Oh no no! I sat here when they scored a touchdown last, so I'm gonna need you to get up. Last time that we did well, I was eating X, Y, and Z. I'm like, what are y'all? What are y'all fools talking about? And, and then you realize like this is a whole other level that I'm not used to experiencing. So it's amazing and it's fun, and that's what makes the sport so great.
1: Can I just say one thing? Of course it matters. Yeah. Yes, of course it matters. You're out of – if you don't recognize that – so you players – that's what I love about you players. You all think you're so important and you're so in control of the game. You have to recognize. It's me. I don't let anyone go to the bathroom. If things are going well and you need to – you're not leaving the room. under. I don't care what the necessity is. And if it is, you're not coming back. And I don't mean for this game. I mean literally ever. Because, I mean, these things definitely matter. All right, David, I'm out of time. I got to do this. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you. Let's do this again next week. I'll talk to you later. All right, see you, brother. That's right, David Pollock. He's terrific. And, and, and I, I need to come back and, and address that again. Of course it matters. Every football fan knows that where you sit for the game makes an enormous difference. And if things are going well, you don't move. <laughs> what are you, a noob? Everyone knows that you can't do that. All right, coming up next, I need to do a little screaming and yelling about one team that has absolutely blown it. <laughs> Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus, we stream with you there. And if you miss any of this program, another way you can catch up with us. We're a podcast every single day. It's available anywhere you get your podcasts. The name is Hashtag Greeny, and it's presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. So today I asked one very important question. I asked it of my friend, Ryan Clark. And I said, when we come around to the Super Bowl this year, when we look deep into the playoffs, where is the great Aaron Rodgers going to be? What are the Packers going to be? And Ryan Clark gave us a very definitive answer.
2: They thought it was enough. They thought they had arrived. They felt like, you know what, with the people in the locker room, we can win. And they're wrong. And sometimes when you're wrong, you waste the great career of one of the all-time great quarterbacks in this league. And that's what we're watching with the Green Bay Packers. They're good enough to be talked about. They'll be good enough to be a factor. But they'll be sitting at home watching the Super Bowl with us because they won't have what it takes to make it there.
1: I've been saying this on this show from the day I came back in August, and I've been saying it on television since April. The Packers have blown it. And if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I am furious, furious, because he is playing out of his mind. And they have given him a team just good enough, just good enough for him to drag them to the playoffs and maybe win a game. But no way go any more than that. And they blew it in April, and they blew it again a month ago at the trade deadline. And it's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. They are exactly who we thought they were. All of a sudden, people there are taking bows because in consecutive weeks, you beat the 39ers and just barely held off Jacksonville? Are you kidding? Aaron Rodgers is as good a quarterback as has probably ever lived and the way they have ridden him and just tr- the, the, the utter incompetence that they have shown in putting teams around him. And every time I do this, and I've done it a million times now because it's so glaringly obvious, you get some people yelling and screaming at me. Look at that team. Devonte Adams is banged up. He's a terrific player, obviously. But they're so dependent. Look at the weapons. Look at the fight. If Aaron Rodgers is going to go into a fight in January with Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, And Drew Brees, you tell me the ammunition he's got to fight with. And look at the other side. It's terrible. So every time I I watch that and I think about it, and we talked about it this morning, I'm reminded of the words of my old friend, the late, great Denny Green, when he said of a different team in that division, they are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. The Packers are exactly who we thought they were. They were a team that needed a couple pieces to get over the hump. And they opted not to get them. They went through an NFL draft and drafted a scout team quarterback and a running back, and that's it. And then they went through all the rest of the offseason. They went through all the rest of the, the this season up till the trade deadline. Avery Williamson got traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers for a fifth-round draft pick. They wouldn't part with that to get someone who can consider stopping the run. Looks like he might want to, might want to try. So we'll see what happens. But Aaron Rodgers, the best thing that could happen to Rodgers is to figure out a way to go someplace else like Favre once did and go back there and beat them. Because there were so many places he'd be better off. So to me, it's a a shame. It's just a shame because I love watching him play. And he is going to once again, he's so good that he will drag them to the division. They will win the NFC North. They will go into the playoffs, maybe win a game. Depends on who they wind up getting. Maybe not. But they're not going to the Super Bowl because they're just not nearly good enough because they didn't put the pieces around them. You're talking about mistakes anyone could see. All of us were yelling and screaming at this, but they didn't want to hear it. So now you make your bet and that's where they are. Greeny with you with a special announcement from Dell. They're giving out new door busters every weekday and up to $400 off cutting edge XPS and Alienware machines with Intel Core processors, all with complimentary shipping. Call 800 by dell Or visit Dell.com slash Black Friday. All right, Bobby, give me a little music. Every week on Fridays, I give you the three people in the National Football League that I think are under the most pressure to perform on Sunday. Here we go. Number three. At number three is Derek Carr, quarterback, Las Vegas Raiders. And I'll tell you why. Because I still don't think, as good as his season has been, that he's a lock to be their quarterback next year. I don't. John Gruden always loves the next quarterback he might be able to get his hands on. If he sweeps the season series from Kansas City, that is a sign that this team is legit and for real. And I think it goes a long way towards ensuring his return. So as well as he has played and as good as this team has been, I think there's a lot of pressure on Derek Carr this weekend and the rest of the way to prove to his coach, I'm the guy who's going to ultimately take you where you want to go. So he's number three. Number two. To me, number two, I'm going to put Sean Payton. Because you cannot afford to lose a game. And I will tell you what, if Taysom Hill goes out there against a bad Atlanta defense, and they lose this game something like 16-13, to 13, that's not going to look good. But Jameis uh, Winston's sitting there on the bench. So Sean Payton's one of the great coaches of all time. But I think he's under some pressure.
0: Number one.
1: But number one is Lamar Jackson. Because this is where it all began to go wrong. Lamar Jackson versus Tennessee. He was the unanimous MVP. He had one of the great seasons of all time. He flew into the playoffs and then, bam, went smashing headfirst into the Tennessee Titans. And nothing has been the same since. Here's his chance for revenge. Here's his chance to turn this season around. I think this is a big week for Baltimore, and I think it's a very big week for their quarterback, Lamar Jackson. We'll talk more about it in just a moment. Busy on a Friday. Greeny on ESPN Radio.